We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato, and we have been talking about this one for quite some time, really like a couple months now, and we've been waiting patiently, and we're happy that we came through on this week. We're going over all the position, position breakdowns, going through the depth chart, and we're like, you know what, for wide receiver, we could talk about it based on what we saw on the film like we did for all the other sisters. But I had a really good guest in mind to break down the wide receiver position, and his name is Matt Harmon, and he's joining us today. He's the creator of Reception Perception. He works for Yahoo Sports on their fantasy team. How's it going today, Matt? Guys, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you having me, and you know, especially the Giants, I think, are such an interesting wide receiver room to talk about. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys this, just the depth of talent that they potentially have there. And they, you know, especially just have such an interesting, like, collection of guys that really complement each other. I know we'll get all into it, but it's an exciting group to talk about, even if there are some um, curious variables on the uh, back end there. Yeah, it's funny. We were talking about this before the podcast. Like, which receivers should we talk about with Matt? We're like, you know what? It's such a night and day experience from last year when that was one of their weakest positions on the depth chart. And, yeah, there's not the most top-end talent. They don't have, you know, an A.J. Brown type on this roster. But they do have a lot of different types of players who offer different things. So we're going to ask you, but first, before you get into individual players, Matt, to talk a little bit about what perception, or I'm sorry, reception perception is. Before that, though, I want to let the fans know that me and Matt go way back before either of us. <laughs> way, through. way back, man. Hey. Way, way back. Way back. Before either of us broke through in this industry. And we were just, this was just a prayer and a dream for both of us to be working full time within the industry. We hosted a little mon- uh, Sunday morning show called Hot Cakes and Hot Takes, and it was just me and Matt and actually TJ Hernandez, who also, you know, caught a break after that and has kind of taken over a really nice um, grasp on the fantasy industry, and it was just us talking fantasy football every Sunday. It was a lot of fun, and it's been fun to watch your growth, Matt, but a lot of our fans, I think, would be really interested in your content based on what they like about our show, which is the X's and O's, the in-depth stuff, our film analysis. We're a film-based podcast. But I'm not so sure all of our fans know about Reception Perception. So why don't you start off by telling us uh, what it's about so we can kind of help the fans understand why it's so valuable, what you aim to decipher with it, and also some of the biggest success stories to date through Reception Perception. 
Yeah, reception perception is a methodology that I developed really even, honestly, Dan, before you and I were doing hot takes and hot cakes. I can't remember, was it hot cakes and hot takes or hot takes and hot cakes? Either way, yeah, a lot of rock. A lot of rhyming here. Yeah, exactly. A lot of rhyming here between reception perception and that original show. Um, But even before really starting doing that with you, I was trying to uncover a process to better understand the wide receiver position because, as you talked about, like trying to break into the industry, number one – you really need something to stand out. You know, you need to differentiate your content from everybody else's. And for me, the way I was going to try to do that was I was going to really answer my biggest question about football, which is when it comes to wide receivers, how do we isolate them from quarterback play? You know, how how do we isolate them from outside variables? Because you guys know this, your listeners definitely know this. Wide receiver stats are so dependent on outside variables in order to just happen, you know, like obviously you need a good quarterback to get the wide receiver the ball, but you know, the offensive line has to protect that quarterback. The coach has to put them in the right role to win. Really to me, I looked at just statistics for wide receivers and nothing truly just isolated the wide receiver. So I thought to myself, somebody, and I guess I'm going to be that somebody should go in and watch all the film and try to quantify route running, because that really is the one thing that a wide receiver can control. How often do they run good routes? What type of routes do they run? And how often do they get open on those routes? And that is what reception perception is designed to do. Reception perception shows you over an eight game sample for NFL players, because that's where I found that the data normalizes to represent a full season how often do guys get open against what type of coverage are they best? What type of routes are they the best on? What roles do they really fit into? And, you know, obviously there has been some success stories, whether it's Allen Robinson, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, uh, Curtis Samuels, a guy who kind of had that breakout season last year that were early identified by reception perception as way better than the public had viewed them because of just their traditional statistics. So that's really the goal of reception perception is trying to isolate the wide receiver play as much as possible from the quarterback, from outside variables. So not only can we, you know, try as as some fantasy players to try to pick up pick up you know bounce back guys, pick up breakout players before everybody else, but also just as football fans, try to better understand the position better, and especially when it comes to categorizing wide receivers. And we're going to talk about the Giants. I think they're a great example of guys that you know this wide receiver does completely different things from this wide receiver. So let's try to put them into buckets and be able to better compare and analyze them that way. Now, that is one way, Matt, to differentiate yourself coming up with something like reception perception. So I have to applaud you on that. And now I have to ask you, what does reception perception tell you about Kenny Galladay? And how do you think his skill set might fit in with this Jason Garrett offense that is Coriel base? And it's all about vertical attacking and running heavily through that X receiver, which kind of leads to Kenny Galladay, who is a prototype X receiver. So what does reception perception tell you about Galladay? Yeah, I mean, you can talk about the money, this, that, whatever. I don't really care about that. But it was so clear that the Giants last year missed this exact type of player, which is a vertical-based X receiver, as you mentioned, perfectly outlined there. They were really lacking that player. Because I like some of their other players on the roster, but, man, they just did not have that guy. And I think Galladay is that guy. For for one thing, too, like – 
there are folks out there that talk about him as only a contested catch receiver, like he's a Kelvin Benjamin type of separator. I mean, get out of here with that. Like this, this is one of the players that one thing I'll say about reception perception over the history of the series from 2014. That's when the data really started getting collected up until now. Most guys, once they get established, are pretty steady in terms of what they turn out. Like if a guy's about at about a 70% success rate versus coverage player, he's probably going to be that once he establishes himself for the bulk of his career. Galladay is one of the few examples, and I think this really speaks to the player, as a guy who's taken those incremental steps. You know, as a rookie, he was mostly just a vertical, just a contested catch receiver, but I think Really, from you know 2017 to 2018 to 2019, obviously we had a little bit of a problem with an injury last year. He took incremental steps to being more of a full field receiver um, to the point that I think he's right there on that fringe of a true number one guy. You know, he's not in the range of like as you mentioned, Dan, like an AJ Brown or like an Allen Robinson or a Stephon Diggs. You know, the true number one receivers. But I think he's right there knocking on that door. And to put some reception perception data behind this, even in an injury shortened season last year, Gallaudet posted a 71.4% success rate versus man coverage, 74th percentile last year, in, or excuse me, the year before in 2019. He was kind of right up around there and even better against press coverage, obviously, when he was fully healthy. I think this is a guy who does win vertically, of course, but also is much better on in-breaking routes like slants, digs, even some curls as well, where he can really just matriculate the offense down the field. Even if, you know, you have some questions about the injuries, all that, like, theoretically, this is the exact type of player that the Giants needed to add to this receiving core. And it's funny you mention that because, unfortunately for Giants fans, and we hope this changes a little bit going forward, but matriculating offense down the field, well, that's the Jason Garrett book, or at least it was in 2020. <laughs> so they're going to need someone to win on those in-breaking routes. So because a lot of this offense is in-breaking routes, not just the curls, but the slants. And there were a lot of times where, for whatever reason, Darius Slayton, who we'll get to in a little bit, as the X, just wasn't working out on those in-breaking routes last season with Daniel Jones. So Galladay serves such a big purpose in this offense, in my mind, not just from the vertical standpoint, but just from being that easy solution for Jones, who's a quarterback who at a lot of times has proven he needs easy solutions. But I want to talk a little bit about another receiver who it feels like everybody's kind of just like turned the page on. Everyone's like, ah, whatever. He is what he is. But he's still just 28 years old. And that's Sterling Shepard, who's long been a reception perception favorite. And yeah. perhaps not coincidentally, he's also been a big blue banter coach's film favorite. Myself, Nick Filato is here today. Nick Turchin, who has started the podcast. We've all raved about what shows up on tape when you watch Shepard play. I mean, there was one point where when OBJ was coming back off that injured season, his last season with the Giants, Turchin said on film, man, Shepard is creating more separation on a more consistent basis. He has been the better route runner. So talk to us a little bit more about what reception perception says about Sterling Shepard. And do you also kind of agree with me? Maybe a breakout is still possible in his age at 28 season. Yeah, I think he just needs to stay healthy, right? That's been the biggest problem for him over the last few years because when he's been on the field, like reception perception would agree with you. He's up in there in that like 90th plus percentile range in terms of success rate versus man coverage. He's been a guy who creates really good separation. And when you look at the history of reception perception, 
over the last, like I said, 2014, you know, these guys in that 75%, 90th percentile type of range in terms of success rate versus man coverage, really the only one that's never had a thousand yards from scrimmage. Uh, Cause I'm, again, I'm, I'm kind of putting Curtis Samuel in there cause he, he, he didn't have a thousand receiving yards, but a thousand yards from scrimmage. Can I take a victory lap on that? But if you want to bro- bucket Curtis, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> bucket Samuel and Sterling Shepard together, those are the really only guys since 2014 who have managed that type of success in terms of creating separation versus man and never having that thousand yards. He's never really having like a consistent, steady, productive type of year. So to me, either he is the outlier of all outliers in the last several years that I've been doing this work, or there is still more to mine from his game. I really do fall kind of on the positive side with Shepard. And I think especially now that Galladay is there, they can continue to keep Shepard more as an interior receiver where I think he's awesome at defeating man coverage when he has a two-way go. Not that he's been a bad player against press because he's actually been a pretty solid performer against press coverage and reception and perception as well. But I do think just a guy that got like Galladay, even if he's not that true number one receiver, he really is a coverage dictating guy. Among the receivers last year that I chartered for 2020, and I mean, all of the high-end guys are in there, and it's worth putting the caveat on there that it was an injury-shortened sample as opposed to some of these other players, but nobody received more double coverage in the games that they played last year, the games that they were sampled for RP, than Kenny Galladay. Like, I think he's going to dictate defenses in a way that it creates more opportunities for guys like Shepard and even Slayton and further down the depth chart, so... I really love I love Sterling Shepard. Uh, I think he is a good player. I think he's an underrated player that you know folks like us who who watch games and really hone in on player skill set will always appreciate. The stats haven't quite been there, but I just think like it's been a bit of bad luck for Sterling Shepard. Like I think he could have taken that step to be the team's more you know consistent number one guy when Odo Beckham left, but then it was, again, it's always injuries. It's one thing or another. Um, and now, I mean, the targets probably won't be there. Like, he's not a guy you, you got to, like, push up the fantasy draft boards or anything, but he could really be an important player for this team. And, you know, if he just continues to play really well, maybe the targets will follow him there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I will always keep a candle lit for this player. I, I just really do think he's very underrated. Yeah, it definitely checks out on the film on our end. Before I get into my next question, Matt, I love the Hank Stram reference you dropped a few minutes ago with matriculating down the football field. It just goes back a little while, back to the old Kansas City Chiefs days of Hank Stram, so I just love that. But I'll roll into my question. So a common Jason Garrett play used in 2020 out of 12 and 11 personnel was a three-level flood concept to the three-receiver side of a Mm three-by-one set. The play is called in Jason Garrett's playbook that I got uh, on Twitter thanks to the person who gave it to me, I'm sure they're probably listening right now. G truck <laughs> scat right four seven nine F escape sit. The F on this play is the number two receiver who runs a strong pivot outside with the number three receiver running a seven route, which is a corner flag route, and the number one running a nine, which is a streak. And that backside receiver runs a dig or in the air Coriel number system, a four route. But Shepard sells this pivot route so strongly that he is uniquely open basically every time he plants that inside foot and explodes back outside. According to Reception Perception, how many receivers, because I know you just watch a ton of receivers, and Dan and I don't have the time to really witness all the great route runners in the league. According to Reception Perception, how many receivers run a better underneath pivot route than Sterling Shepard? 
Yeah, I mean, he is one of the better underneath players just in general. I mean, like, he is just – he's up there in terms of that, like, 89.7% success rate. When you look on, like, flat routes, slant routes, that type of – like, he's, if he's having that outside breaking pivot there, like, he is really just one of the better guys in in terms of just the, the slot receivers in the league. Yeah, I really – I think that's one of the strengths of his game. You know, even just dating back to, like, his time in Oklahoma, he was definitely a player that could sell his route running in terms of the deceptive part of it. You know, right. like, he's going to break one way and snaps back the other way so really that is just a perfect fit for him I mean even a guy like I think Sterling Shepard is probably like a hot take after the guy had a really good year last year but like I think he can do what Cole Beasley did for all those Dallas offenses you know but be a plus version of that as well I really love uh, his skill set on this particular route in this particular style of play I think also a guy like Daniel Jones needs an outlet like that. Like, sure, you could hit that big corner route, the big go route, something like that. And, and you know, I think Jones has the talent to do that. But like you, like we just talked about, matriculating offenses down the field, <laughs> taking those just steady chips at it, I think Shepard is going to be crucial in that type of role. Yeah, I think you're on to something there. And I'm, we're really hoping that Shepard finds more of a full-time role in the slot this season. Last year, due to injuries and just the fact that they wanted to run Golden Tate as their primary slot, Shepard played a lot more outside, and he can do that. Like you mentioned, he has you know solid success rates out there, but he's just so much better and utilized, in my mind, when he's in the slot. The numbers back it up, both film and reception-perception. I mean, this is where he should be. Hopefully, the addition of Galladay will Secure that. And I also think there was one, before I get to my next question, Matt, I think there was one more player, actually, you can correct me if I'm wrong, who fit into the bucket we were taught, you were mentioning before, of those reception perception beasts that just haven't hit a thousand. Doesn't Anthony Miller also fit into that one? He's a little bit lower on the threshold. Like guys like uh, Shepard and Curtis Samuel are like a plus 90th percentile. Uh, Anthony Miller fits in that like 85th, 80th plus percentile where there's a few more misses in that range, um, but very few, right? Like, so yeah, we're really talking about guys like Anthony Miller. You know, if you want to judge it from just the 80th to all the way to the top there, yeah, we're looking at like Anthony Miller. Maybe, um, you know, a player – well, yeah, actually, I guess – no, never mind. Yeah, I guess Deontay Johnson hasn't had a 1,000-yard season, but if he hasn't um, – if he didn't get hurt last year, he probably hits that last year yeah. as well. But, yeah, those are, like, examples there of the guys. Mostly – Anthony Miller is probably the one that I have, like, the least hope for <laughs> going yeah. forward. So, I guess – I mean, he just got traded to the damn Texans, right? So yeah. Like, there's not a lot of optimism there. Yeah. <laughs> so, he is, the, he is the one guy that I would say, like, stands out as the clearest outlier of, like – even Sterling Shepard, if he never has a thousand yard season, I, I think that you and I, and even like people who aren't as high on Shepard, would agree he is a solid role player at worst in the NFL, like a pretty decent right. number three receiver in like an absolute worst case scenario. So I, I think he would, he still fits as like a solid NFL player. The guy who might be from like 80th plus percentile up, who just like straight up might not be good, is Anthony Miller. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, let's talk a little bit about Darius Slayton. He broke onto the scene for the Giants as what seemed at the time like just an absolute steal of a fifth-round pick as a rookie. But he kind of fell off the map a bit in 2020 after moving over into Jason Garrett's system, asked to be that number one X. What were your thoughts on Slayton heading into year three, and what does reception perception say about him? Yeah, Darius Slayton was like you said, a really nice find uh, as a day three draft pick, a guy that, you know, hit really well for Dave Gettleman and company early on. But I definitely thought he was miscast as like a number one outside receiver heading into his second season. When you looked at him from a rookie year angle, he was at the 49th percentile in success rate versus press coverage. That doesn't mean he's a bad player, but if you're going to have your 
number one receiver be your outside X guy, they're going to face press coverage routinely. They're going to see a lot of tight man coverage on the outside. They've got to be better than that 49th percentile. So I look at Darius Slayton as more of a player along like the Marvin Jones arc of guys. And, and that should be a compliment because Marvin Jones has had an, a really good career. And like, especially from a fantasy angle, like consistently outkicks his ADP or outkicks whatever everybody expects from him. So I think Slayton could be a really solid number two or number three outside receiver there. Um, but to me, just the fact that like they can take him out of that role and drop Galladay in, I think is a much better fit. But, and it just, increases the depth overall because Slayton's still really good nine route runner. I think he can get separation when he gets more of a free release on the outside. Also pretty good on outbreaking patterns like the out um, stuff like that. I think he can be a really good complimentary receiver. Uh, but I, I view guys like even Shepard, I think should probably be ahead of him in the target pecking order um, because I think he, Shepard presents a much more um, antithetical skill set with Kenny Galladay there. There's a little bit of overlap in terms of the vertical game between Slayton and Galladay, but I just, again, it, it comes back to the addition of Kenny Galladay and why if he's healthy and he's locked in, I think it ch- really changes things for this receiver core because now they have a guy who can beat man coverage on the outside, who can win as that X receiver, and it lets Slayton go back to being more of a comfortable flanker when they go to three receiver sets. I think that just is a much better fit for him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Matt, you said that reception perception had him at about 49th percentile this past year. What was he after his rookie season? I'm actually curious. Right, it was right around the same range. That was the year. Yeah, that was the year when he was at the 49th percentile. Was his rookie year. So I think that was more of a that that was really a representative sample there. And he had to play a lot of X receiver too as a rookie as well. That's the thing. Like I think he he really did not take many snaps from the slot. I I think he's a guy that will be more of an outside receiver. Um, he's just a guy that I think should not function as a true number one or in that X position. More more uh, conducive to being a flanker. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you kind of touched on my next question, but I want to just mention it anyways. Another common Jason Garrett play was a pretty deceptive play with double moves about 10 yards down the field, uh, selling the comeback route from both outside receivers before exploding back upfield vertically. And Slayton was tasked to run that play. I believe in the playbook it's called either weak or strong, depending on the side, uh, side, right? Roger 989 pump play. So it was basically meant to be a pump action type of play. Do you think Kenny Galladay has the type of athletic ability to quickly decelerate his hips, sell like he's going to be running a comeback route and then quickly explode once he has the leverage on the the cornerback back up field to uh, 
to just gain an advantage on the corner. Do you think he's going to be a significant upgrade over what Darius Slayton was in that role as that true number one? Because Slayton will probably be on the other side running that same mirrored route on the backside if Garrett is consistent with his play calling from 2020. Oh, yeah. I mean, I th- I think that Galladay is really explosive in general. And I think that's what's interesting about him is, you know, th- these receivers like him, I think Cortland Sutton's another example, that come in and they're high-end athletes and they don't, te- they don't test as well early on in reception perception, but that they continue to work on the craft part of the position as long as that explosiveness, you know, and, and Galladay did have a hip injury last year. He's struggling with injuries sort of in training camp right now. So that's something to monitor. But I think when he's healthy and when he's on there, like he's already taken steps as a technician to get better as a route runner in some of those short to intermediate areas. But in terms of like vertical explosiveness and snapping off routes, I think he is much better than given credit there, which is why he's up there pretty high in reception perception for such a bigger receiver. Yeah, we're really excited about what he can do in this offense, as long as he can stay healthy, of course. But, you know, there's a slight hamstring injury right now. They said it, they, they think that it's not going to be too bad. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, Matt, Matt about the Giants' first-round pick, Darius Tony. We've, of course, seen the incredibly, almost disastrous-looking reception percentage <laughs> on Tony's success rate versus man. But you could be honest with us, because even if it's going to sting a little, the Big Blue Banter podcast – we're not your average Homer Giants pod that only says the good stuff. We will talk no matter what, bad or good. So are you out on Tony with Garrett specifically, or is there redeemable traits here that you think can work within this specific offensive system? Yeah, so on the player in general, like I thought just before he got drafted, before you know what team he was going to, I, I would have said, and I would still say that like his, they're, they're starting at like square one with him as a technical route runner. Um, he is a guy that t- did test at the 13th percentile success rate versus man as a collegiate player, 20% success rate versus press. Didn't face press very often because he's mostly an interior receiver, but that is the stone worst that I've charted among college prospects. Oh, you know, right. the, 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 yeah, so not, 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 not really what you'd want if you look at it that way. So I think like they're starting at square one from him as a route runner. That being said, I wrote a superlatives piece for receptionperception.com among the prospects I charted this year, you know, and that's a free piece to most of the content on reception perception to paywall site, everything like that, sortable data tables, and player profiles. Um, Tony's profile too is all uh, paywall, but there is a free article on the site if people kind of want to try before they buy and it was about superlatives for the college prospects. And I, I said that Tony was the best in space, like tackle breaking receiver in the class. There's clearly a ton of juice and a ton of ability to get out of him as an open field receiver. And even as he works on the route running, even if he never gets the route running down, you know, there's a place for him as a gadget guy, as a player that can break tackles in the open field. If you put him in the right role, I mean, hell, even a guy like Devo Samuel last year, was really good for the 49ers, even though he was banged up. And it was mostly in like a created touches type of role. There, there are plenty of guys like that around the league. I don't, I don't know if you spend a first round pick, like, you know, when you have other needs on that player, but nevertheless, like there are guys doing that in the league that don't win versus man coverage, don't separate routinely, but still make big plays for good offenses because they're put in the position to win. Now, in this specific offense, I, I just feel like I, if I was going to place Kadarius Tony with a coach, Jason Garrett would not have maybe been my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> like, like let's let's come up with a creative way to get this guy rolling early as he continues to refine the the nuances of the position. I just don't know that that really fits in this offense, especially because as we're talking, like 
they've got a good X receiver. They've got a slot receiver in Sterling Shepard who can make who can make plays, who can win and actually get open within the core functionality of the offense. They've got a pretty solid number three or number two outside receiver in Darius Slayton. You know, I mean, Evan Ingram is there. Saquon Barkley is a receiving back. Like, they've got a lot of guys. Like, where are you just going to kind of disrupt the offense Is there by – getting Kadarius Tony these gadget plays early on can get Jason Garrett dial up those gadget plays early on there's a whole lot of questions there not to mention like not had a good offseason so far not a lot of good headlines there for old Kadarius Tony in New York when there's a lot of work to be done so the questions are the questions are infinite for this player I think right now um I definitely think there's an NFL application for a player of his skill set whether it's in this specific situation that's that's pretty questionable yeah, and I think you nailed it here, Matt, because the the biggest issue for me, the biggest concern for me with Tony is I'm good with the pick and I'm good with the player if you're going to design your offense and you're specifically going to make tweaks in your system to make him a big part of it. So that means a lot of pre-snap motion. Use him on jet sweep. Use him on fake jet sweep. Get him the ball quickly in space. But if you're just going to bring him in for 5 to 15 snaps a game and you're going to tip off exactly what you're going to do, and I have a bit of a concern this might be the case for year one, he's coming in for 5, 10, 15 snaps, and the defense knows exactly what those snaps are going to look like, It's it's just it just seems to me like I need to be proven here before I can kind of turn the page on believing when it comes to Jason Garrett and his – because everybody's like, oh, they wouldn't have drafted – Kadarius Tony, if they didn't have a plan for it. I'm like, well, I'm just not so sure that's the case. I'm not so that sure. That logic has fallen short yeah. many, many times when we assume like rational decision making from NFL coaches and NFL yeah. general managers. On on this note though, I mean it is not listen, I hate to compare players to like all time greats or current greats or really extreme outliers in general, but it's not unheard of I mean Tyree Kill is the probably the best example of a player who was a gadget player that was naturally induced into the offense and then even you know to pat reception perception on the back here the the thing with Tyree Kill that was a difference between him and some of these other gadget players early on is you could have you could look at like the limited sample when Hill was running traditional routes in his rookie year reception perception and he was actually running pretty good routes they were still designing mostly plays for him but I think that was the basis of then what Tyree Kill then could use to become one of the three or four best receivers in the NFL, right? Like is that he was already an explosive guy in the open field that could do unbelievable things. Then he just continued to hone the already good signals in terms of what his route running from a rookie year standpoint to now. He's not just fast. He's one of the best route runners in the NFL, which makes him so incredibly dangerous to the point, again, that he's one of the three or four best receivers in the NFL. I don't know that Kadarius Tony's going to do that, but if we do at least see him getting snaps early on, get get some work as a true wide receiver, even a slot guy, and he's running better traditional routes. And, you know, maybe in year two or year three, we can start to see him develop there. Again, it's just like we're talking about a guy that like massaged into the correct role and then became a great player by Andy Reid. And now we're looking at Jason Garrett here with the Giants. I don't know how that how that's going to go. And And not to mention Patrick Mahomes is definitely a big part of that as well. Yeah, 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 that helps. That guy's pretty good, I think. (laughs) But speaking of incredibly explosive and fast types of receivers, what do you have for us, Matt, on John Ross, this enigma that is a former top 10 pick who never really panned out? What does reception perception say about him? 
Yeah, not a lot to test in the NFL, right? You know, there's right. not been a lot of um, full season samples for John Ross really laying out there. But, you know, when he's been on the field, he actually has been a pretty decent red zone receiver. Uh, he's been a vertical guy as well. You know, I think at this point it would probably be gravy if the Giants really got anything out of him. But I really thought that coming into the NFL, and even I get, even a little bit as an NFL player, because – it's just been so hard with the injuries to really tell where he's at from a developmental perspective. But I thought coming into the NFL, he had more than just speed to him. I thought he was really good as, again, that deceptive route runner. Not so much to snap it deep after coming short, but I thought he was great on like outbreaking routes where he could sell the vertical pattern before snapping back on outside routes like flats and out routes, everything like the deeper outs and stuff like that. I think that he did really have some nuance to his route running as a collegiate player. It's just really hard to know where he's at at this point from, from like an NFL perspective. Um, I, I do think there's probably still some juice there. Maybe he makes a few plays for the Giants. I, I don't know. I, you guys would probably have a better sense on like how his camp is going and how like, uh, you know, what are his odds to like make the team, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if John Ross is more productive in 2021 than Kadarius Toney. Uh, just based on how that offseason is going in the developmental path, I think that first round pick is on. So we we shall see. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was pretty optimistic on John Ross coming into the NFL. I thought he was more than just like the fastest guy at the combine type of thing. I, I think he got overdrafted probably because of that speed. But I thought he was a guy that I would have taken with the first round pick that year. It just really hasn't worked out because of the injuries. It's funny you say that, Matt, because I felt the same way about Ross, and and I've talked about this with Nick since because he wasn't on the same. Wavelength, and I, I was a little bit fooled as well. I thought he was pretty good at those at getting open on in-breaking routes. I made a similar mistake, I thought, in my evaluation with Corey Coleman, and then I got excited when he came to the Giants, so I'm not going to get excited right now for John Ross. <laughs> just going to not go down that path again, but yeah. ultimately we'll see what happens. Matt, I want to ask you, out of all the wide receivers on the Giants roster, would it be Sterling Shepard that's just the best at separating against man coverage and beating press jams off the line of scrimmage, or would Kenny Galladay have the ladder there? I would probably say it's Shepard, um, but, you know, based on just where they're going to line up, you would expect Galladay to be the best separator outside, the best separator versus press. It's just, like Galladay's 2019 season in reception perception was extremely encouraging. Um, you know, it, was, it looked like that guy that was ready to take that next step, um, you know, to being more that number one receiver, you know, 82nd percentile success rate versus man, 81st against press coverage in 2019. Like those are great numbers. Shepard obviously has finished higher at certain points of his year, at certain points of his career. Those guys probably should be pretty close together uh, when we see the results from 2021. Awesome. All right. We're going to let you get out of here, but we want to ask you a few general wide receiver questions because there are some fans of the show who do love fantasy football. And remember guys, if you are new to Matt's content, you can, I'm going to actually have him do a little promo at the end, but Reception Perception, <laughs> you'll find it everywhere. You can go to YouTube now and type in Reception Perception, and you're going to get really great videos about the wide receivers, and they're all free, literally. You can watch them. I've watched four of them. And you can also help him, though. And You can go to Reception Perception. You're going to find the more in-depth analysis there. You're going to find the actual charting, the actual data. I know a lot of you are data heads, so Head over to Reception Reception. Like Matt said, there is a lot, a little bit of free content to give you a little taste. And if you like it, you can go from there. But we're going to ask a few general receiver questions, Matt. So you've had your countless hits with Reception Reception. I mean, Allen Robinson, Stefan Diggs. Who's the next receiver ready to become make that jump? 
Yeah, I think it's Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers. And from a fantasy perspective, it's it's tough because this – I actually – I've said this like a hundred times to the point that my podcast producer, Yahoo, is probably ready to like slap me through the, <laughs> through the mic at this point. But I really think figuring out the 49ers is the key to unlocking fantasy football in 2021 because there's so many different paths this team could go on. Because at some point, it's not – it's a it's a when, not an if. Trey Lance takes over, this – team is going to look dramatically different because it's going to be a mobile rookie quarterback. Uh, the overall passing volume might come down. So, like, there are legit questionable variables in Brandon Ayuk's 2021 outlook. But from a player perspective, it, I, I, like, again, we talked about these guys like Sterling Shepard. We talked about these guys that are sort of the outliers. For the most part, though, Brandon Ayuk fits in that range, 88th percentile against man coverage as a rookie, 86 against press. Like typically when you bet against these players, you lose. You know, typically they end up becoming some of the stars of the league. You, you mentioned a few of them earlier. And I think Ayuk was a guy, not, he wasn't quite like a Kadarius Tony type of prospect where I thought he was that raw as a route runner, but I thought he would in this offense, in the 49ers offense, be more of a created touches type of player. But he came out there as a rookie and won as a true outside number one receiver, won as the 49ers X receiver in most spots as a rookie. I think he is the next stud receiver that, that isn't obvious, you know, like a CD lamb or something like that. You know, th- those guys that I think are, are already on that cusp of becoming one of the best receivers in the NFL. I think Ayuk could easily be that player this year. We'll just see about the volume and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I love this guy. I think he is unbelievable across the route. He separates deep, separates intermediate and short. Um, and then he is he does have juice after the catch. He is much tougher and physical, I think, than he gets credit for. So, yeah, he is a guy, if I was to place a chip on somebody becoming like an upper echelon number one wide receiver at some point based on his rookie year reception perception, it would be Brandon Ayuk. I love that call, Matt. And I will say this with regards to, I agree. I think that figuring out this offense and figuring out the Bucks offense is two of the keys to fantasy because the Bucks to me are also an offense where I think right now Antonio Brown has incredible value. I really like Gio yep, Bernard. Exactly. But yep. it's kind of still uncertain, both counts. But with Ayuk, I do think that if they do, it's not even really an if at this point. It's a when they do turn to Trey Lance. We might start to see a little bit of that old Shanahan offense where he's running a lot of zone read, where he's running a lot more RPO like he did with RG3. And if that is the case, we're going to see that X heavily targeted in the offense. So I actually think it could almost be like really good for Ayuk if they do move to Lance faster. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. And Matt, I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about the 2021 NFL class, the, the draft class, because they just had so many wide receivers that were somewhat polarizing. Who was your favorite wide receiver in the 2021 NFL draft class and why? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not say Jamar Chase just because he's so good at everything. Great after the catch, really good ball skills in contested situations. And I think he was pretty underrated as a release against press coverage type of guy. I think he's he tested pretty well in terms of perception, perception. But, you know, the two guys that, if we're talking about like my favorite players, easily Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore, oh, and you know, I not not like the best landing spots in terms of like year one fantasy production, um, especially Bateman and Baltimore. Like we'll see, but man, let me tell you what, like Bateman, the Ravens have not had a receiver like Rashad Bateman in Lamar Jackson's tenure. I mean, maybe maybe even in like the last damn decade, like they've they've had real trouble at finding this type of guy. I think Bateman. 
he looks like a player in reception and perception that could be like a Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson type of talent. Um, so he is one guy that I, I just really love this player. And I think he, there's a chance that he could just be so good that it changes the way that Baltimore calls plays. And especially because, you know, I, I don't dislike Marquise Brown as an NFL player. I don't think he's a number one receiver. I think he was miscast in that role last year. He does not have the chops against press coverage to be that type of player. Um, even if he's, even if I think again, pretty solid NFL guy, like pretty good speed player, pretty good underneath player as well. If you can get him those layups, but like Bateman on routes like the dig and the curl, those are going to be those middle of the field in breaking routes that really are are Lamar's strength. Like he should not be throwing vertical outside the numbers very often. Like I think Bateman can really help him again, to come back to matriculate the offense down the field. I think he, Bateman could be pretty good in those areas. And Elijah Moore is just a stud separator, 95th percentile success rate versus man coverage against uh, among charted players in reception perception. He's just so good. I mean, he's right up there in terms of success rate versus man with guys like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, you know, consensus first-round guys. I thought he should have been a first-round pick, and I think he's going to end up being a steal for the Jets. Yeah, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that because – Moore is a player, when me and Nick were breaking down the film during draft season, we were both like, this is a player we watched two games of, and we knew immediately this is this is a this is a guy. I had him as a top 20 overall prospect in that class, my clear-cut wide receiver three, though I did think him and Bateman were three and four, and I went a little bit back and forth on them. I really hope this isn't another Tristan Wirth situation for the Giants, where they have their choice of Bateman, Moore, or Tony, and they go with the, the third one, and the, just the one yeah. that doesn't kind of hit in that first year. And now I still have high hopes for Thomas, all things of that nature, but Worfs is on a different level. And we'll see what happens there, but I do think both Bateman and Moore could have potentially helped the Giants more, at least in 2021. But we'll see what happens there. It's interesting to say those. I want to wrap it up here, Matt, with one final question. You gave us your next breakout from Reception Perception. Give me one sleeper receiver you think can has a chance to go from relative unknown to kind of a widely known name after the 2021 season. Yeah, I think Jacoby Myers is on that radar for me, a player in New England that has kind of been sneaky productive in his first couple of seasons, and then they go out and make all these additions this year. That doesn't really bother me much in terms of, like, Myers' playing time because New England needed, like, just warm bodies at the receiver yeah. position. So they, they go out and give Nelson Aguilar money. They give Kendrick Bourne money. But I think Myers as a separator and as a technical route runner from the inside has really flashed, like, legit starting NFL skills. Um, he is a guy that goes, obviously, super late in drafts, but I think is someone that you should keep – like, you know, keep an eye on him because he could really be someone that outkicks his his ADP to the point that I wouldn't be surprised if he's the best receiver on New England's roster, which, you know, is not saying all that much. Like, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, these guys, you know, whatever. Like, but I think he is a very solid player that doesn't quite get the credit that he deserves for producing in a bad situation last year. That's a great call. And he may even be someone who fits better with Mac Jones if they do make that move to Mac yeah. Jones. All right, Matt, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time today. Why don't you tell everyone where not only they can find you on Twitter and things of that nature, but where they can find Reception Perception and anything else that you might want to plug. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Uh, ReceptionPerception.com is the place, the home for all things RP, in addition to the YouTube channel, as Dan was so kind to shout that out. Uh, ReceptionPerception.com slash pricing, if you want to check out our pricing tiers, it based on 
which access you'd like. You can get access to all kinds of things like the sortable data tables where you can look up all these success rate versus man press coverage numbers, you know, many more things too, like alignment data, contested catches, broken tackles in the open field. All that's in the sortable data tables and player prospect profiles on college guys and NFL players that we're studying before this year. So, yeah, as we're ramping up here towards the season, we also have plenty of, like, fantasy draft content stuff coming out as well for those of you that are into that type of stuff. That's great. You could try to guess yourselves what the BYB stands for in Matt Harmon's Twitter <laughs> name, but I can assure you it does not stand for Boy Young Boy. That's the only thing I know for sure. There. All right, it does not. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. All right, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.